Louise Penny, Charles Dickens, and best of all, an interview with Jenna Miles, author of the contemporary romance called The Catch. Stay tuned. Welcome to the House of Books. I'm Catherine, your host. Joining me today is Jenna Miles, author of The Catch. Welcome, Jenna. Thank you so much for having me. You're welcome. Uh, as I said the name of your book, I am struck by how I say that just like a Michigander, The Catch, K-E-T-C-H. <laughs> it is actually The Catch. <laughs> um, hey, however you need to say it is fine with me. I have a cousin who lives in California who grew up in Michigan, and she said Michiganders have the double A, like a two-syllable A, so I could say the catch, or I could say the catch. Right, yes, I'm <laughs> very go. familiar with that. But I read the book, and I was really engrossed in the story. I enjoyed the characters. And I could ask you some questions about how you came up with your characters, but I want to ask you what you would like your readers to know about those characters. It was clear that you love all of them from your writing. Oh, yeah, very much. They kind of became like family members or children to me. They really felt and still do feel like real people, you know, in my mind and in my soul. As far as how I came up with the characters, I had been tossing around the idea of this story for a number of years. I couldn't tell you how long, but at least a decade. A story that sort of centered around the fishing industry in some ways. And I originally thought that it was going to be set in a small fishing village, but as you know, uh, it sort of evolved into being set in San Francisco. And so as far as how I came up with the characters, a lot of um, the character of Julia is kind of based on me and my life, but a lot of it is completely pure fiction. I would say the majority is pure fiction. So for example, you know, Julia and I both have red hair. Yep. Uh, Julia and I are the same age. She, a lot of the experiences that she talks about towards the beginning of the book, like converting to Islam for two days or, um, you know, reading the, the certain books that she does read, whether it's, you know, Maya Angelou or Jane Eyre, Jane Austen, all of that is very much like me. She went through a quirky phase and at age 13 where, you know, she read books that were a little bit ahead of her uh, I guess, age bracket. Mm -hmm. And so in those ways, she's very similar, but, and there's a little bit of me in all of my characters. So I would say my personality is actually a little more like William's personality okay. because he and I are both extremely reserved. I obviously know how to pull it out of myself if I need to, but I'm, I'm a pretty shy person and very, very introverted actually. So in many ways, I relate a lot more to him than, than to Julia. And then, you know, the sort of wild child side that I have repressed inside of me comes out in the character of Allison, Julia's sister. Allison's a uh, live wire. That's the word, live yeah. wire. <laughs> it's a force of nature, for sure. Yeah. yeah. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. And she's, she's a lot of fun. She's, you know, definitely knows who she is and what she wants in life. Uh, and, but she's in some ways a little bit of a hot mess too. So, mm -hmm. you know, I like, I love complex, complicated characters that are, that are flawed, um, that, you know, maybe make some unfortunate choices in their life but they learn and grow from them, their dynamic over the course of the story. Mm -hmm. I just, I find that relatable. Yeah. So um, it was interesting that the characters, you related all of them to different facets of yourself. 
there's it reminds me of a theory that I read about dreams years ago, where every dream, every character in a dream is a reflection of yourself. The scary monster is you. The kitten mm-hmm. is you. You know, yeah. the, the fairy godmother is you. Yeah, I think dreams are are fascinating. And I do think that there's something almost spiritual about dreaming. And I think there's something almost spiritual about creativity, um, including writing, you know, fiction writing, Mm -hmm. but creativity of all kinds. Mm -hmm. And I certainly felt, you know, that a lot of times I felt like I was a channel for the story. it, It was almost like, you know, without wanting to sound too weird, it was almost like I was just the vehicle through which the story was being told. Ideas would come to me and I'd be like, wow, I didn't even know I had that in me. It's pretty cool. Um, there's a, gosh, I can't remember who said it and I'm going to sound so illiterate. So, well, not illiterate, but literally ignorant right now. But there is a saying, yes, the words can flow, water can flow, but you have to turn on the faucet. Mm-hmm. So, and that's what that reminds me of. You can't, you have to start the flow by writing. And then the ideas flow. Yeah, absolutely. And I've kind of learned that. Um, I think I, for much of my life, I was too much of a perfectionist in a way. So, you know, which is sort of surprising to anybody who knows me. Uh, but there is a perfectionist side to me that feels like if I can't do something perfectly the first time that I try it, I'm just not even going to try at all. Mm-hmm. And I had to really overcome that over the course of my life in order to get to a place where I could write the catch or anything for that matter mm-hmm. and actually finish it. I've been somebody for most of my adulthood who toyed around with writing fiction, but then I would sort of set it aside if I thought it wasn't going absolutely perfectly. Mm-hmm. And I really just had to get over that and realize that the important thing is to just get something on the page, just vomit it out onto the page if necessary. And then yep. you can go back and fix it later. But you, you've got to start with the, with the ugly stuff first. Any idea on why you centered on San Francisco? Well, I guess I should, maybe I'm going to rephrase that. So you moved from Texas to San Francisco. What was the draw? So I moved in 2008 with my then husband who got a job. Uh, he was an early Facebook employee, actually. Oh. Um, he was a software engineer. So the, the typical San Francisco techie job. Um, yeah, so we both grew up in Dallas, Texas, and moved out here in 2008 with whatever we could carry in our cars and um, made a home out here, had a family out here. And then, you know, I had three daughters within less than four years. Oh, wow. And then I kind of just went through a period where uh, a period of life crisis, I suppose you could call it, um, where a bunch of different things happened. Uh, My daughter, my middle daughter, had a stroke uh, at the age of 10 months, and I quit my dietitian job in order to help care for her. And then I found myself unexpectedly pregnant with my third daughter. And then I found out that, oops, surprise, my marriage was coming to an end. And so during this period of crisis, as, as much as agonizing as it was, it was also a little bit of a crucible for me that helped me to finally get back in touch with who I am fundamentally as a person. And that person is a a creator, a creative person, um, specifically a writer. I've been writing since, like my website says, since I could pick up a crayon. 
I've been writing fiction. But yeah, so by that point, I was obviously tied down with three small children under the age of four, and I really couldn't get out and about out of the house easily. And so I felt like I, I needed to shift the story of the catch to something that I was a little more familiar with, specifically the San Francisco Bay Area. And um, I also had a very dear friend, have a very dear friend, who grew up in the outer sunset neighborhood of San Francisco, where I set the novel. So I interviewed her extensively to just help, hopefully help make it sound a little more authentic. Mm -hmm. And how old are your girls now? So they are 13, 11, and 9. Okay. Yeah. So So I started writing this book, The Catch, in, in 2012. When all of that stuff kind of came crashing down in my life. Okay. So the story of the catch is, and the thing that stood out the most for me, one of the most subtle unspoken things, um, timing. It was all timing. Uh, mm-hmm. Julia and William met in high school. It just wasn't, well, I don't, I don't want to give any spoilers, but timing was everything. Yeah. And also not only timing, but the recognition that sometimes all of our dreams for professional success don't come to fruition because it's not meant to be or because we just don't have a good sense of ourselves at a certain age. Mm -hmm. I really felt that in this book. And I think it was probably my favorite part of the book because that's me. (laughs) Yeah. Well, there's a lot of that with me as well. Yes. And, you know, Julia's particular interest was in marine biology, which had nothing to do with my interests growing up. But I do relate to the idea of, you know, having to change your priorities or, you know, make sacrifices or, you know, making choices because you think something's not going to work out in the present and then maybe regretting that later or maybe not. And you're, you, you hit the nail on the head when you're 18, how are you supposed to know what you want to do for the entire rest of your life. I mean, shoot, I'm 47 and I still don't know, (laughs) uh, you know, what I want to do for the rest of my life. And it changes and evolves from age to age. Yeah. I think that, you know, the, the um, theme of timing is spot on because she, you know, they met, they both met when they were close to graduating and they had already kind of made their plans, especially Julia. But, you know, William had the opportunity to take a scholarship in San Francisco. She didn't want him to give that up, but she also didn't want to give up her dreams. And they thought they could make it work from long distance. And, you know, as many people find out, (laughs) that's really challenging, you know. And then the timing was an issue in the 2006 section as well, as far as her being separated from her husband, Kevin, and how that made things messy. I really am interested in knowing more about Kevin at some point. So maybe yeah. I'm, my, my fingers are crossed about that. But I want to point out something too that is so obvious to me that this is a labor of love for you mm-hmm. is the really intensive research that you did to find out more about the fishing industry and marine biology and scholarships and college. And that's clear in your, in your acknowledgments. You thank so many people. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned that you are basically an introvert. How mm-hmm. hard was it for you to re- to approach those people to it's say excruciating? Hey. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm not going to um lie. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It is so hard for me to put myself out there. And uh, yet at the same time I never or almost never at least am sorry after I've done it. 
I have had to really cultivate the the courage to just not be afraid to look silly reaching out to people and saying, hey, this might be a really unusual request. Um, <laughs> this might be the weirdest thing you hear all day, but I'm writing this romance novel about the fishing industry and I know nothing about it. Would Could I come down there to the pier and, you know, just spend an afternoon chatting with you and looking at your boat and you and ask you some questions? So that's exactly what I did. They went down to Pier 45 in San Francisco talked to a gentleman that had been a professional fisherman and was now running a fish processing plant. Then I also took a tour of a separate fish processing plant on that same pier that became the inspiration for Cardone's in the catch. Mm -hmm. And uh, sadly, that fish processing plant, by the way, burned down in a huge fire uh, just a year or two ago. Um, But yeah, and I also interviewed, uh, you know, a couple of people that were involved in the larger scale fish processing industry. I interviewed Alaska crab fishermen. I interviewed a marine biology professor at UC Santa Cruz. So yeah, it's it's just important to me to sound like I know what I'm talking about, even if I don't actually or didn't actually know anything about those industries or professions at all. Well, I will tell you, I was 100% convinced that you had a degree in marine biology and that you were intimately acquainted with the fishing industry. I thought you had, because I I don't read author notes and acknowledgments until after I read the book, because I don't want any particular spoilers. I want, I want virgin eyes and a virgin experience. And I was astonished that you did not grow up in that industry or, you know, have a degree in it. So you were successful. Well done. Thank you. Thank you very much. That's what I love to hear. And that's certainly what I'm aiming for. I just don't want people to read it and go, that's just, you know, garbage. That doesn't really happen, you know, no, and I haven't no. gotten that any of that feedback yet. So yeah, I you won't. Be something. <laughs> <laughs> and I understand that there's a sequel. Yeah, I am actively working on a sequel that I don't have a t- working title for yet. Um, but it picks right up where the um, where the catch leaves off. So we get to see how things shake out between Julia and William uh, introduces some new, what I hope are very interesting, fascinating characters into the mix as well. And I'm, you know, thinking it's still in flux, but I'm thinking that it might also have a similar time shifting format because it has been 10 years or 11 years since I started writing the catch, Mm -hmm. which was set partly in 2012, you know, you know, I I feel like I have to kind of tie that in with what's going on in the present day. So I'm going to include a few scenes from the present day 2023 and be shifting back in time and showing how Julia and William's relationship shakes out over the last 10 or 11 years. Okay. So something that has been striking me recently is I've been reading literature that's come out in the past few years, uh, two, three years, is that the pandemic is creeping into it. That is now a feature in literature and mm-hmm. in, in fiction. And I'm wondering how that is for you uh, as you're writing. Is that something that you're incorporating or is that is that is that too much of a spoiler to even ask the question? Um, yeah, um, I think, uh, stay tuned, that I might write a whole other book that talks a little bit more about what happens in the in-between years, in other words, between 2012 and 2023. 
but I think that most of the sequel that I'm writing right now is going to focus on the scenes that are happening in 2023 and, you know, scenes back in 2012 through, let's say, 2014. Yeah. Okay. So, but yes, stay tuned. I, I probably will write some things that touch on the pandemic and how that affected their lives. So three girls... Mm-hmm. Not adults by any means, and and you're a registered dietitian. How mm. are you finding the time to write and research? Yes. What are okay, your tricks? Well, Tell all of us. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So back then, in in 2012, I just like I you know I I felt like I got hit with this burst of inspiration, which was almost a spiritual thing, like I was telling you earlier, and I I felt compelled. I felt obsessed. I felt like I had to do this thing. I didn't even feel like it was a choice. I don't know how else to explain it. And so I would actually set my alarm to get up at three or four o'clock in the morning before my girls, my very little girls would wake up. And I would just squeeze in an hour or two of writing every day. And then I managed to work my way through the, the manuscript. And like I say, it felt like things were just flowing through me. So that was my secret back then. Now that my girls are older, I have more time during the daylight hours, for sure. Also, their dad uh, moved in 2016 to the same community where we live and began taking more time with them. And so uh, that freed me up (laughs) a great deal. It's interesting that you asked this question because just very recently, I, in fact, just last week, I decided to leave my dietitian job and career in order to focus on my writing career. I had just kind of gotten to another point in my life, another huge transformational point in my life, similar to what happened in 2012, where I realized this needs to change. I I need to let go of the fear and dive into the deep end regardless of how scary it may feel right now, you know, to jump into the unknown. Um, Something that I did not want to find myself waiting until maybe I was retired or something like that. You know, you never know what's going to happen between now and then. So I decided to take a a big risk and that's what I'm doing. (laughs) That is brave. It it is. And it's terrifying. And I may very well regret it one day, but um, I'm just going to dive in head first and put all of my effort and energy and positive mindset into it and let happen what is going to happen. And I feel like things are already kind of falling together or coming together for me in a lot of ways. I have had some interesting experiences this past week. Um, I had decided early on, because I guess I'm going to talk about me now. Um, I, had decided, <laughs> I had decided early on that uh, this year that I was going to talk focus on Charles Dickens, which uh, if anybody wants to hear about that, they can listen to, the, to episode nine. I talk about that a little bit. But so I'm reading uh, David Copperfield. And at the same time, I'm listening to um, Louise Penny's latest uh, Chief Inspector Armand Gamache book, which is called, and I'm sure I butchered that name, which is called A World of Curiosities. And I just finished listening to one of the latest quote unquote free books on Audible by Monica Ferris and her Needlecraft Mysteries. And one of the main characters in Monica Ferris's books is Godwin Dulac. 
He is a young man who loves old style radio shows. And one of his songs that he likes to sing and quote is called Hooray for Captain Spaulding, which I've never heard. I didn't think much of it. So I'm listening to the Louise Penny and I'm reading Charles Dickens, right? I'm reading David Copperfield. So I'm doing all of this at the same time, like within the same time period, within the same week, almost within the same day. And then I'm, as I'm listening to the Louise Penny book, there is reference to, there's a lot of code breaking in this book, okay. which is, which is, I don't know if you've read her, but this, the book, the series is incredible. It defies genre. I can't even put it in a genre, but mm-hmm. this book is gut-wrenchingly intense. People warned me, I didn't realize, but mm-hmm. um, one of the references is to Dickens' Tavistock letter or uh-huh. Tavistock code. Have you heard of that? I haven't, No. He wrote in code. He had his own little shorthand that nobody knew. And they I had no idea. I had never heard that. Isn't that wild? Fascinating. I know. So there's reference to Dickens in Louise Penny. Mm -hmm. Um, There's reference to Captain Spaulding in Monica Ferris. And then also in Louise Penny, there's reference to Hooray for Captain Spaulding. Somebody's actually singing it. So Mm -hmm. we've got Monica Ferris, Louise Penny, and Charles Dickens all coming together in this Venn diagram. (laughs) where in the middle is Captain Spaulding. <laughs> and, wow. and and I've always believed, and I want to hear your story in just a second, but uh-huh. I've always believed that things that happen like that yeah. means that I'm on the path where things are flowing together. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the flow. Right. And, and so um, that was very exciting. And it tells me I'm doing the right thing and exploring Charles Dickens this winter. So yeah, yeah. Simple, simple uh- things for literary nerds. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. And I, I have had very similar experiences. And I agree wholeheartedly, you know, when things just kind of start to fall into alignment, it does seem like, you know, it's sending you a signal, hey, you're on the right path here. And that certainly has happened to me in a couple of ways, you know, for for one thing, um, I, as you know, the catch deals with themes of mental health, quite a bit. And I write from personal experience on that. And I think that it's important because most people don't feel, you know, don't, most people don't have the luxury or the privilege of talking openly about their mental health journeys. And as somebody who does have that luxury or that privilege, I almost feel in a way a sense of responsibility because there is still so much stigma surrounding mental health. So, you know, depression is a thing that I deal with as well as ADHD is a thing that I deal with. And um, my depression really came to a head last year. There was just this confluence of different life events. And I took a leave of absence to deal with that. While I was on this leave of absence, all of my coworkers basically left their jobs and at the same time i was part a big part of what i was dealing with during my therapy sessions was what is my next act in in life going to be can i find the courage and the strength to take that leap of faith into the unknown and when you know as i was dealing with this all of a sudden my you know my bot my two my two bosses both left the company and you know one of my coworkers retired (laughs) And another one, you know, got sick and decided to go on leave of absence. And then I kind of viewed that as the universe giving me a little nudge saying, it's okay, you know, maybe this is the right time for you to take that leap of faith into your next act in life. 
And then shortly after I made that decision, I started noticing that I was getting a lot of reviews that were sort of, I don't want to say negative, but negative enough about uh, the character of Julia. And it was the first time that I had had that kind of feedback about Julia and all of these different reviews were all coming in at once saying the same thing. I was curious, you know, I wanted to understand more about what was resonating that way with with certain readers. And right as I had that thought, I saw a post on Instagram from another author talking about unlikable heroines. And let's have a conversation about unlikable, quote unquote, unlikable heroines and what makes them unlikable to certain people. And she was setting up a bunch of uh, Instagram live, I don't know, broadcasts, I guess to discuss this with various authors. Bright and early in the morning when I read this, I immediately just jumped on it and messaged her and said, I would love to talk about this with you. And I was just only thinking that we would have private, you know, direct messages about it. But she invited me to be one of her Instagram live interviewees on this subject. So again, you know, things just seem to be falling into place almost uh, well, serendipitously, there you go. <laughs> uh, yeah. And I find that reassuring that maybe that's a sign that I am on the right track here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How interesting that all of a sudden you got the same type of feedback on one character. Mm-hmm. And you know, unlikable characters, I don't think, I think a character can be unlikable and still be a creatively and and masterfully sketched character. There are aspects of Julia that I don't like, but mm-hmm. that makes her a real well-rounded character. She's real. Yeah. She's not pretend and perfect. Well, I'm glad to hear you feel that way cuz that's what I'm aiming for with her, you know. I never I never meant for her to be a wholly likable character by any stretch. She's complex. She yeah. is flawed. She yeah. makes sometimes some bad choices. And yeah, you know, and it was intriguing that all of these reviewers at the same time gave either four or five stars reviews of the book overall. They just had quibbles with the character of Julia. So I found that intriguing. I don't know whether it's a certain age or demographic group that is responding this way to her. So that's something that I'm hoping to investigate a little more about. But I like her as as a character overall, while still recognizing that she is deeply flawed in a lot of ways. And I think that's what makes characters interesting. It is. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Mm-hmm. And I and I have to wonder, because a lot of times as I was reading, I go, come on, you're doing mm-hmm. it. Come on now, you know, exactly. but that's if I if I weren't invested in her, I wouldn't be doing that. I was interested. So th- it makes me wonder if maybe that it has to do with previous romances they've been reading. There's probably demographic, but I bet I would bet anything that they are used to reading a certain subgenre where the heroine is ideal. Yeah, ideal and and or I maybe all self-sacrificing or something like that, you know, always putting other people's needs before her own. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's just not the kind of character that I write. You know, I like to write about strong women who know their own value and their own worth and aren't, you know, willing to um, completely compromise on their dreams and their goals in life, but also are basically good people. They're not going to follow a path that's going to cause harm to people, certainly not on purpose. Yeah. Just 
not willing to settle for, well, as Uncle Rob says in the story, I don't want to see you settling for anything less than everything, you know, do me a favor and believe that you deserve it, basically, mm-hmm. is the quote, trying to remember yeah. it off the top of my head. And I think we all would benefit from following that advice, knowing our own value and our own worth. I agree. And I think, again, I'm going to avoid spoilers, so I'm going to be intentionally vague here. But I think there was a point, uh, one of the first decision points that um, Julia might have hit there, where I thought, don't make this decision. Don't do what I'm afraid you're going to do. And she didn't. Mm -hmm. And she made herself a force to be reckoned with. Mm -hmm. And I... I was cheering. I was cheering. I was happy she did that. It was very satisfying. That's good to hear. Did you want to say anything more about the sequel? Any any little teasers you'd like to give your readers? Uh, yeah. So you know, I'm what I'm hoping is that you'll see a lot of um, growth and change in the character of Paige as well, um, which is Julia's Julia and Kevin's daughter. Yes you will hopefully get to see how you know a little bit more about how julia has come to terms with you know being being more comfortable with the fact that we all have complex messy histories and how she herself has her own complex messy history to contend with and 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 being more confident i suppose I, because and the way I say the reason I say that is because during the 2006 section I feel like she was you know a little bit on shaky ground with her self confidence for a while her whole the rug had been pulled out from underneath her uh, in life a little bit and she wasn't too sure yet who she was anymore mm-hmm. and she was you know contending with issues with her daughter you know which I won't spoil I guess but by 2012 when the sequel picks up i think she's you know achieved some peace with the fact that um okay you know the 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 choices for example that william made in his past those are part of his past he's obviously learned and grown from them she's got her own messy past and and she's cool with who she is now and so she can let go of that, I guess. There was a lot of, I I perceive her having a lot of anxiety about their pasts and how they're going to combine their lives together and move forward from that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Hopefully that's something you'll get to see in the sequel as well. Well, so Jenna, you're very interesting to talk to. You have a lot of insights. And I know that you are wondering about readers and, and you, it sounds like you really enjoy hearing feedback and answering questions. How can yeah. readers find you? So first of all, you can find me on my website, which is jennamilesauthor.com. Okay, so J-E-N-N-A-M-I-L-E-S, author.com. You can also find me on my social media channels. So I'm on Instagram at jennamilesauthor and on Twitter at jennamileswrite. So that's Jenna Miles, W-R-I-T-E, because nice. Jenna Miles author wouldn't fit. Yeah, and um, I'm also on Facebook at Jenna Miles author. So those are three channels that you can find me on social media. And as far as I'm concerned, it's fine if you just want to, you know, send me an email directly. So that would be Jenna Miles author at gmail.com. Those are all great ways to get in touch. And yeah, I absolutely love interacting with my readers and um, hearing what you thought. I mean, that just makes my day. 
Great, yes. So I'll be posting the links that Jenna mentioned on the website. So um, it'll it'll take me a little while. <clears throat> I usually take a day or so to put those links up there after I post the web the the uh, podcast episode. But it should be up there within two business days of when I when this uh, goes live. So the way you'll find that is you go to the website, which is yourbookgroup.com. Hover on the House of Books podcast on the menu, and then click on episode ten, which will magically appear shortly. And then you can, uh, there will be a recording of the podcast there if you want to listen while you look at the links. And then there's also going to be links to um, the books that we talked about, um, that I talked about and made Jenna listen. And uh, it links for where we can find Jenna's book, which we'll ask here in just a second too, as well as um, some other information that might be interesting for you. Jenna, where can we find the catch? Yeah, so you can find the catch on uh, Amazon, of course. Uh, it's available as an ebook, uh, paperback, and as an audiobook now. And so, you know, if you're into audiobooks, you can also find it on just the audible.com website. You can find the catch um, ebook on Apple uh, Books. You can find it um, on Barnes and Noble. So, you know, there's a huge variety of places where you can actually find it. Okay. So you have an audiobook. That's so great. Yeah, I just created that last year with the very talented Caroline Keeler as the uh, narrator. So oh. um, I'm thrilled with how it came out. And, and I don't think that the word has gotten out as much as I would have liked. So definitely check out the audio. You can hear a free sample on Audible okay. or on Amazon for that matter. Uh huh. Okay. Oh, fantastic. That's very yeah. exciting. Jenna, thank you so much for joining me today. And listeners, mm-hmm. thanks for dropping in at the House of Books. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe. A five-star review would be appreciated too because more subscriptions and more stars means we can get more books in front of more readers. Thanks for listening.